0: don't have the app, or if you're our guest today, you should have got a connection card, you should have received a connection card when you walked in. Uh, for us, that's just kind of uh, a way where we get to check in, see who's around, see who's here, uh, see who might be missing or sick or, or, you know, things that we can pray for. On the connection card and on the app, there's a place where you can fill out a prayer request. We would love to be praying for you throughout the week. If you're uh, our guest today, uh, if you wouldn't mind checking first or second time guests, whatever that might be, And if you have questions, everything else I'm about to say is on the app, including that check-in. So just a couple quick announcements today before I ask Pastor Matt to come up and pray for him, and we work through today's message. Um, We are looking through this month at our serve teams and how you can be a part of a community here that serves in a particular area. And so... We're inviting you to be a part of that. You can get more information on all the different things we do from Sunday setup to children's ministry to admin help during the week, all the different things that we do. Uh, You can get more information from either myself or Pastor Matt or even Yvette out there on the patio. The three of us, uh, even Pastor Joey over in Families Ministries, have lots of places where you might be able to be a part of a team. Uh, The youth here are going to be fundraising here in the next weeks that are coming up. And the way they're doing that is they're collecting recyclables. And so if you have you know, bottles or cans or recyclables that you wanna bring in, the youth will be collecting those things to help fund an event that they're going to do. So that'll start next Sunday. You're invited to do that and help them out. Uh, on the app, if you go to the bulletin, there's a few things. We just talked about joining a team. Next Sunday night is Sela. We gather together on the fourth Sunday of each month, and we get together, pray together. Uh, We spend about an hour together at our offices just across the street on Cerritos and gather together to pray. Um, There is an event coming up this Friday called Work as Worship, and there's a link on there that'll give you a lot more information and other things that are on there. Those are the more eminent ones, the more coming up quickly ones. And so we would invite you to that. If you ever had thought about how your workplace or the things that you do, your vocation, uh, the places you go, you live, you do, how those can be places of worship, let me encourage you that that Friday event uh, would be really interesting to you. Last but not least, those connection cards, when you're done with them, if you're our guest today or if that's if you're still doing them on paper, you can give those to us in the baskets when we gather together for worship and do communion together. And there's obviously giving envelopes if you decide to give. Now, if... You're a part of this family. For us, giving is a part of our worship. If you're our guest today, we just want you to be our guest. And so, uh, for those of you that call this home, though, we respond and and be able to give to the ministry through doing that. And that's really a part of our worship. So, Pastor Matt, we come up and let's pray for Pastor Matt as he does, and we will open up the Bibles. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you that we can gather together this morning. Lord, we know that we are a church that loves to seeing disciples, leaders, and churches multiplied. And we gather here, Lord, and we come with open our hearts to listen to you, open ears, open minds, God, to hear your word. As we work our way through this Proverbs series, Lord, uh, we're asking really how to live lives that that reflect you best, how to live lives of wisdom, how to live lives of of gospel influence. I pray for Pastor Matt as he has been preparing for this week. Uh, God, I, th- I, I thank you that you have given him something uh, that is for us, that is uniquely for us. And so I pray that you would use him this morning as we open up ourselves to you and your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Well, good morning, generations. You guys doing well this morning? Everybody ready to roll? I want you to go to Proverbs. I want you to go to chapter 4. And while you're heading there, uh, for those of you that are jumping in with us this morning, we're in this series in Proverbs. And what we, we did and the reason that we decided to do it is last month we started a new year. And, and in starting the new year, we decided to look at what God's wisdom has to say to us um, as stewards as planners uh, that's kind of what January often is for many of us right we're looking ahead uh, we're looking back making plans to to make what's ahead better than what's behind and and so that's kind of uh, where proverbs began for us but this month we've we've been looking at uh, kind of another category and we've been looking specifically at some behaviors and so pastor Jeff's been walking us through what God's wisdom has to say um, about our our self-control, our speech, and certainly the Proverbs, if you're familiar at all with this book in the Bible, it has a lot to say about those things, these these short little pithy statements, these profound truths that address things like this for us. And what what we're going to do today and next week, still kind of in that category of behaviors, is just look at what the Proverbs has to say specifically to those of us who are men and to those of us who are women. And so uh, we're going to be jumping into that before next month as we end the Proverbs series. We're then going to be looking at the category of relationships. And and so that's kind of how this is all going. And I guess I'm saying that so you just kind of know where in the context of things we're at. But the other reason I wanted to say that is because if I tell you we're going to be ending next month, the series of Proverbs, then that begs the question, well, what happens after that? And what happens after that is actually Easter. And so believe it or not, we are just six weeks away, a month and a half away from Easter. Maybe some of you did something with Ash Wednesday this past week and you've begun a a season of of Lent. But here's the thing we want you to be mindful of as we head into Easter season now is that we would be preparing our hearts in prayer and that we would also be preparing um, just thinking about the people around us. Uh, that as we're praying, we could be praying for them, we could be inviting them to jump in. As we all know, Easter is one of those days, right, when many of our neighbors, our coworkers, family, and friends will join us in a a church gathering when they may not uh, throughout the rest of the year. And so that's kind of what's going on. Now, I have to admit to you that as I get started this morning, I agreed to the date, um, February 18th, in preaching before I looked at the topic that Pastor Jeff had on his schedule. And, uh, and, and if I'm, again, honest with you, I would tell you that um, I don't know that I would have taken him up on the date had I seen in advance that the topic was on manhood in men. And the reason that I say that is, is, is a few things. One of them is this, it's just kind of a biblical thing. Ladies, there is this neat, tidy chapter in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 31, that speaks specifically to, to you women. Um, there is so much content throughout Proverbs that's speaking to men, and so it's a little daunting to think of how do you take all of these different things that God's wisdom has to say to men, and how do you condense that into a sermon? And so that's that's a little daunting. That's a little overwhelming. Um, just even on the way in, this is another reason I think um, I would have uh, maybe maybe uh, maybe punted on this one. <laughs> culturally, culturally, this is this is a. This is a difficult topic, isn't it? One of the elders on the way in was like, man, yeah, this is something that's really timely. Yeah, sure, it's timely. That's because you're not preaching, and I am, right? <laughs> like, that gender is a difficult thing for us to tackle in this day culturally, isn't it? And, and when you think about all that's transpired in my lifetime and in your lifetimes, the things that we've seen change in our culture when it comes to the idea of manhood and womanhood, it's, it's staggering, And when the church should be a voice of not just reason and truth, but goodness, when it comes to what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman, sadly, oftentimes, we're not leading that conversation, but we're needing to be rebuked and reformed in that conversation. And so culturally, it's a daunting task to talk about this. And and then to be honest with you, I would just have to say from a personal perspective, this is a tough topic. This is a tough topic because I think if any man is going to be honest about this topic, he's going to have to deal with his own fears and insecurities and shortcomings in sin. When it comes to the topic of manhood, so much good can be done by us as men, but so much harm can be done by us as men. And so it's a daunting topic to take on. And so, I would just say, one, before we open up to Proverbs four and we read through it, let's let's pray. I think um, I could use that, and I think our hearts could probably use that as we jump into this topic this morning. Uh, <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you are a good God. You are wise and you are powerful. And those three things being true of you, you have given specifically to men, but to all of humanity in general. You've you've delegated to us that, that we too could exercise strength and power in ways that are good and wise. And Father, that is certainly our hope, our aim, And yet, when we come to a topic like this, we are also just grossly aware of our failures and our sins and our shortcomings and the damage and devastation that it brings in our world. And so, Father, that leaves us in a place where we can ask for, for nothing else but your mercy. And I would pray this morning that through your word being proclaimed that you would be merciful to the men in this room, that you would convict hearts, that you would conform and transform lives, uh, that you would create new direction new legacies new 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 outcomes in in hearts and homes uh, that are here today Father, we um, ask you uh, to do that work knowing it is your intention as a good father. Um, And we we pray it in Jesus' name, knowing that there is no hope of your mercy apart from him. Amen. So open to Proverbs 4, and I'm going to read. This is really the longest passage that we're going to look at just to kind of set the stage for us, okay? And so Proverbs chapter 4, uh, it begins this way. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and he said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of, this, of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Price her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Now, we've set the entire series of Proverbs around what you just listened to. A father speaking to a son. That 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 really is what this book is about. It's a father speaking being willing to get down on the level of his son and speak words of wisdom and us us seeing that in light of a good father who has wisdom for us. When oftentimes, right, we can come to the word of God and we can see it as a burden that we have to bear. We can see it as some type of restrictions and rules and, and hoops that we have to jump through. And we miss the heart of a father that says, I want good for you. And therefore, I'm going to share what's wise and right for you. And so we're seeing that here, right? You you have in verse 1, hear, my son, be attentive so that you may gain insight. Verse 10, hear, my son, accept these words. There's a pleading that you have from this father to a son. A pleading, right? These, These are important things, maybe the most important things. They have to do with life and the length of our days. They, they have to do with, with, with what it is that we set our, our, our hearts um, upon, what it is we do with our, our hands and the strength God's given us. What do we do with the time and the days as short and, uh, and quick as they pass? It's a father speaking that way to his son, pleading with his son, and, and, he, and he gives this, um, this personification of wisdom did you catch it as, as a woman, as an attractive woman? I mean, I hope as I read through there, you see that this father is trying to set wisdom up as something that looks good to his son. Ladies in the room, you know what I'm talking about, right? When, when, when your man set his sights on you, the links that he would go to, to get your attention, the links that he would go to, to pursue you, to woo you, to to somehow win you over and convince you to marry him, right? Those of you that are married, you—that's part of your story in some form or fashion—is—is um, is just the insanity that you saw this guy do, right? Because you looked good to him, like there was something he desired in you. He, he wanted you. And, and that's exactly how this father kind of sets it up for his son. Verse six do not forsake her, keep her. She'll keep you, says. See that? Em- embrace her, he says, and, and, and she'll guard you, she'll honor you, verse eight. Surprise her, she'll exalt you. Verse 13, she is your life. Hold fast. Guard. Right, there's this personification of wisdom as this this lady that he's saying, boy, if you're gonna listen to anything I have to say, then you get her. And, And that's really how he sums it up. Did you catch that in verse seven? I mean, I love this. I love this. Hey, let me, let me sum it up, right? I mean, if any, any father is worth his soul, at some point he's got to be able to simplify big things. And in verse seven, maybe just takes, takes it all, right? Any, any instruction from father to son, right? It's epitomized in, in chapter four, verse seven of Proverbs. Hey, let me tell you what the beginning of wisdom is. Get it. Get it. Whatever you do, get wisdom, get insight. That's that's the start. And, And any man in this room knows one of the most difficult things that you and I have to navigate in life is just figuring out where to start. Whether you're young or old, but especially those of you who are younger, you want to know where to start. Get wisdom. Get it, let that be the pursuit of your life. And that kind of sets up the main idea that we're going to be looking at today, is that there is a manhood that Proverbs presents to us, a pursuit of wisdom that, it, that brings an outcome in our lives. And you see it up here on the screen, that the manhood of Proverbs is marked by character and strength and action. And, and that's what we're going to look at. And I put these Proverbs passages up there because other than Proverbs 4 that we just walked through briefly, we're not gonna walk through every one of these verses in in chapter 15 and 28. I I want you just to write those down. Those of you that are in community groups, this is where you'll do a little bit deeper dive this week. Um, And I'm just gonna highlight some things out of Proverbs 15 and 28, as we look at this idea of manhood in Proverbs, how how the pursuit of wisdom, it, it marks us as men of character, men of strength, men of action. Yet there is something for us to not miss in our pursuit of wisdom in Proverbs. And that's what I close with. It says, yet our aim, our aim is neither manhood nor wisdom, nor the character and strength and action that it produces. Okay, our aim is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the power and wisdom of God. And we can't lose sight of that, and that'll make some more sense as we dive in here together. So you can, uh, you can just look up on the screen if you want. You can bounce back and forth between Proverbs 15 and 18, but let's jump in to this idea of our pursuit of wisdom making us men of character, Okay. Our pursuit of wisdom is going to shape us. It's going to forge in us character. And, and so there's, there's a, some verses that I'll throw up here on the screen, and we'll just kind of look at, at five. I mean, there's so many of these. Like I said, it's daunting to think of how do you summarize all of the instruction and wisdom that Proverbs and Scripture gives us as men. But we see in Proverbs fifteen eighteen, this kind of just kicks us right off. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention, right? The character of a man of wisdom is one of self-control. We we spend an entire week on that. But but again, if if there's something that we know about manhood in the world we live in today, it's that the anger and the wrath and the rage of men is devastating. Devastating. And there are lives probably all over this room that have been wrecked by the anger and wrath and rage of men. And so the wisdom of God forges in us as men character that's under control, self-controlled. And the outcome of that, as you see, is that we become men of peace, those who make peace, those who who foster unity and harmony um, in the environments in which we live, those that stop evil and destruction in the communities in which we live. That's what's going to come out of that. Here's another one, Proverbs 15, verse 32. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. And and so just another quality of manhood, one is self-control. Another quality of, of manhood, the character of manhood, is that we're teachable, that we're teachable men. That, that at some point, the course of our lives can be corrected by the grace of God, that the Spirit of God can convict us, can empower us, and, 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 and an, an entire life that was head, headlong toward death and destruction and decay can actually be transformed to life and life-giving and prosperity. I mean, that's, that's transformation, right? And, and that's, that comes from the character of wisdom Fostering in us this quality of being teachable. Here's another one. We're in, in chapter 28 now, Proverbs 28:18: "Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall." Integrity, right? When you think of in character, you're thinking of a man of character as a man of integrity. That there's stability, there's faithfulness, there's a, a constancy to him, which is, is what I'll, I'll mention in a, in a moment. If you really kind of sum up all of the different characteristics of proverbs and you look at it through the lens of the New Testament, you, you know what you find? You find the qualifications of an elder, is, is what you find. And you can go to First Timothy chapter three, you can go to Titus chapter one, and you can find lists, you know 15, 17 strong of character, qualities, and attributes of those whom God tasks to care and shepherd and lead the church. There's there's integrity in their actions. There's a faithfulness, a constancy in their actions. And and the reason that I bring them up isn't because what it means to be a man is to be an elder, not necessarily, right? The, the, The character of an elder or deacon who leads and serves the church really is normative for us as believers, If you're a disciple of Jesus, then these qualities of character ought to be what we see in your life, we see in my life. It's just that God would ask those leading and serving the church to to lead by example, right? I mean, that's not rocket science. Um, That makes sense, doesn't it? That those who are tasked to lead and serve are going to, to set an example that's normative for the rest of those to follow. And so that's what it means to be a man of integrity. There's a constancy. It doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean perfection. That's probably one of the greatest things I learned from a pastor mentor years ago when we were walking through those character qualifications of an elder, these same characteristics that you see in Proverbs. I remember him saying, like, look, what you're looking for in the lives of men is not perfection but predictability. That's what integrity is, isn't it? Are they perfect? No, but when they stumble, I know exactly how they're going to react to that. I know exactly how they're going to respond to that. When they fail, I I know the responsibility that they'll take. When they sin, I know the repentance that they'll they'll walk out. That's that's not perfection. That's predictability, and that's integrity. That's the stability that it brings. Here's here's a fourth one. Um, Proverbs 28, verse 23 Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find fav- more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. That's a good. That's a good one, isn't it? I mean, Proverbs is basically like one refrigerator magnet after another, and uh, and that's you know that's one you could put up there, right? Um, I mean, because for for all of us, right? We we value those in our lives that were willing to be honest with us, and their honesty had that impact on us, it shaped us, it changed us, it, it, sh- it helped us see ourselves more rightly than we saw on our own. And because they were willing to rebuke us or correct us or come alongside and redirect us, right, that's, that's what it means to be a man of character, is that we're willing to say those things that are hard to be said, but we say them for the sake of love. We say them not to flatter those around us, right, words that are meaningless and hollow, but words that have, have depth words that bring life. So self-control, teachable, integrity, honesty. Here's one last one, Proverbs 28, verse 23. It says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Again, there's so many characteristics we could look at. But to be a man of character is to be a man of humility. One who, who doesn't think that your perspective is all that's there, but is willing, whether it be in counseling and walking alongside those you're leading, who's willing, whether it be making decisions, right? Whatever it is, whatever challenge that confronts a man of character, he understands that there's going to be more wisdom around him than he has just in and of himself. There's a humility to receive that, to seek that. Right? So all of these, these are just five. All of these are just, uh, they, they describe what it looks like for wisdom to shape us as men of character. These should be things that we pursue. These should be, by God's grace, things that mark us, the, our, our, the predictability of our, um, of our actions, our behavior. And, and, you know, and the other thing that I think this, this helps us see, um, especially when you look at these ideas of being teachable and humble men, is I, I think probably one of the, the greatest weaknesses that we have as men is when we're confronted with our shortcomings, we have a tendency to basically pull out our resume. Um, ladies, you don't have to amen on that, okay? Uh, if you just, you know, just kind of let them hear it for a minute, okay? But, but for those of you that are married, I, I know, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. When you just try to bring up that one thing, okay? And instead of just being able to, to hear and, and, and walk through this one thing, right? There's I, I remember years ago sitting with a couple and it was like pre-premarital. I don't know if you know what that means. But there's, there's always those couples that come to you as a pastor and they think that they want to get married. They're just not sure that they want to get married. and And so you have to have this pre-premarital conversation with them. Um, because you don't want to just throw them right into premarital. Um, that's just not fair to them, right, if they're just not there yet. Uh, but you, you want to kind of assess that a little bit. And I remember having this conversation, and, and the one kind of sticking point, um, the one kind of sticking point was the gal was just trying to bring up, and, and, and the example that she had, it was this pattern of behavior, but the example that she had was uh, the, the guy was a barista, and she's like, you know, he says that there's those times when the people in the line they just make him so angry. And so he slips him decaf. And, and, uh, and, and I remember sitting there thinking like, that, that explains a lot. I don't know if I've ever ticked off somebody at Starbucks, but like there are some days, right? When it just doesn't work. And, and right. And so like there was this epiphany for me. I'm thankful for this pre premarital conversation, but, but you know, but it was interesting to watch the reaction to that, you know, because we, we we I just began to ask some questions. We kind of kind of dive in there a little bit and just kind of get to the bottom. We're like, man, do, do you see that for what that is? Do you see that that's that's misleading? That's unethical. Do you see that that's unloving? Do you see that like that you're you're not fulfilling the job that you've been given, regardless of how that person is treated? You? I mean, we could just go right on and on and on of all the different ways that we could view this for this young guy to be able to just see rightly this one thing that was being brought up to him, and it, it was like it really. It was like wrestling Gumby. I mean, it was just crazy, like how we spent the next 30 minutes um, trying to get to just talk through this one thing. And instead, I, we, 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 me and this, this poor gal had to listen to all of the things that he does well. And that's great. That's great. I mean, and sometimes it's as trivial as that, right? Like, I'm sorry if you're the one that's ticking off the baristas and getting decaf. But like, at the end of the day, that's really trivial, but I don't know if you saw it recently, I mean, we're less than a month away from Dr. Larry Nasser being sentenced to 40 to 175 years for decades of using his medical practice to sexually molest girls and young women. And if you listen to his statement that he makes, that the judge reads, and he says, I was a good doctor. My medical practices, my treatments helped them. See, men, we have a weakness that when we're confronted with our shortcomings and our failures and sins, to be a man of character is to be humble enough to receive that. Nobody needs to hear our resume when we fail, right? Our wives, our families, the people that we're leading What they need to see is a man who's willing to humble himself and say, but for the grace of God. Right? So here's what I want you to keep in mind as we wrap up this idea of men of character. The aim is not character. The aim is Jesus. The aim is not character. The aim is Jesus. And and I want you to see in Jesus' own words, there's this chapter in Matthew where Jesus is speaking to these men who are moral men. They're men who have great character, we would say. I mean, these guys literally tithe out of their spice rack. Their mint, their dill, their cumin, Jesus says. They tithe from those things. Okay? These are guys who dot the I's, they cross the T's, and yet he says to them in Matthew 23, verse 25, he says to them, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate and the outside may be clean. Okay? This isn't a master class in dishwashing, guys. This is Jesus trying to help them see that their focus on merely the outward character of their lives is insufficient if their hearts are filled with greed and self-indulgence and death. So the aim is not character, man. The aim is Jesus. The aim is Jesus because he's the only one that can take, he's the only one that can take our weaknesses, our sin, our shame, and transform us into men who walk in obedience to his will and empowered by his spirit. So men of character, wisdom makes us men of character, but let's look at another thing. Wisdom makes us men of strength. Um, we'll, we'll look through some Proverbs again, and then we'll look at this one. Men of strength. This is Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23. To, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man in a word and season, how good it is, right? And, and I want you to, rather than me, me, me uh, just pay attention, and I want you to see if you can catch something related to these verses on on being a man of strength. Look at Look at this next one. This is out of Proverbs 15 still, verse 27. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. And then this last one is out of uh, chapter 28. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. Now, um, I know we're throwing them up there quick, so if you miss it, that's fine. But, but one of the things that you see, not just in these three verses, but throughout Proverbs is that a man of wisdom, a man of character, a man of strength, right? The idea of manhood in Proverbs is not one who's merely just righteous in a moral sense, but a man who's righteous in the sense that all of his actions benefit the people around him. So if you want a definition of strength, that's a definition of strength. I mean, I know there's so many different places that we can look today. And I, I, I you know, what came to my mind when I was doing the study on this was back when I was in college and there was this author and his books were selling like crazy and everybody was talking about him. And he was talking about how like men, they just, you know, they're wild at heart. and We just got to get outside and we got to like, you know, hunt and climb mountains and we got to do all this stuff. And if you guys like doing that, that's fine, okay? I'm, I'm cool with that. but But when you read the gospels of, you know, in the story, the life of Jesus, like he never goes out into the wilderness to bow hunt, okay? He goes out there to pray. And so when you look at like the strength of a man, it's not found in in his ability to lift something or accomplish something or climb something or overcome something. When you look at the strength of a man, what you're looking at is does the wisdom and character that's forged in his life, does the abilities and the strengths that God's given him, do they ultimately benefit those around them? That first verse about an apt answer I um, I man, I, I got one for you. What, what came to my mind, and it's it's been on the on the fur of my mind the last two months now. And uh, you know, m- many many of you know this, but for some of you, this will be the first time that you uh, you hear this news. But um, my wife and I, we have five kids, and we have another one that's on the way. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we're generally excited about that. And uh, you know, I get six kids is a lot. Uh, and uh, we, we understand how this happens, and yeah, all the jokes, right? <laughs> we, we've heard them all, and we, yeah, we get it, okay? But, but what's come to my mind over the last couple of, of months has been a conversation that I had uh, years ago when we were, we were in the throes of, we had our first five kids in six and a half years, okay? Which is, is basically another way to say we spent about seven to eight years drowning. All right, I mean that's really kind of what that means, and uh, just trying to get our head above water. And, and any of you who've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I remember sitting across the table from a, a man named Paul, and I remember just just describing to him like how I can't even think straight. I mean, I feel like we've just been in this fog, and you know, Meg is just focused on the kids, and she should be. And I'm just trying to focus on work. And, you know, at times we just feel like we're going separate directions. And, you know, like, like I don't know how long it's been since we've slept through the night. And, and it's just like this is overwhelming. And I don't know, up from down. And I'm mean, just kind of like laying it out there, right, just everything right in front of the sky. And I remember Paul's response, okay, apt answer. I remember Paul's response. Paul says to me, he goes, Matt, what I wouldn't give to be up in the middle of the night right now Right. I mean, I remember just, you know, what I wouldn't give to be up in the middle of night rocking a baby right now. I, re- I remember sitting across the table from Paul, and and I, and honestly, I, it's been it's been so long now, and like I said, I don't remember much from that day in time anyway. But but uh, you know, so maybe I said this out loud, maybe I didn't, but I remember the thought that was in my mind. Maybe I verbalized it was, "You're crazy." <laughs> that I mean, that's about all I could muster, right? Like, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. I mean, I we were swimming so deep at this point like I was already graduating my kids. I mean, I was just thinking like at some point in some day like it's we're going to maybe we'll survive, right? God, will you just get us through this? But but let me tell you why I was even at that conversation with Paul. Paul's probably one of the strongest men I've ever been around. He had two older kids, and I knew, uh, didn't really know Paul and his wife. I knew his older kids because I was a student pastor. They were in my student ministry. Uh, they were great kids. And, uh, and then years later, they had a, another one. So they, they had like these two teenagers, and they had this five-year-old boy. And uh, one day, the five-year-old boy inadvertently is playing on the swing set, and he hangs himself. So the first time that I remember interacting with Paul was at a funeral, and I sat in the back of this auditorium, and I watched a man get up in front of man. There was probably a thousand people there or more, and I do not have. I don't know. I have words. To describe to you the resolve, the faith, the strength that Paul demonstrated in that place. He was crushed. It was clear that he was crushed, but he wasn't reeling. And the Bible gives us this picture when you think of manhood, of somebody who is planted firmly by a stream. And Jeremiah 17 says it this way, heat can come, drought can come, and yet that tree continues to be green, that tree continues to bear fruit, that tree continues to provide for the people around it everything that they need. That's a man of strength. That's a man of strength. The comfort the care, the hope that Paul provided his family and a community in a time when most of us, most of us probably would have just melted. And I remember saying to myself, I want to know that guy. And here we are years later in an apt word from a strong man. is still impacting my heart and life. That's a man of strength. But here's the deal, guys. We're not aiming for strength. We're aiming for Jesus. And I want you to hear again just some words from Jesus. Look look at these. This is out of Mark chapter 10. And Jesus says this to those um, around him, his followers, his disciples. He says, you know that those who are considered rulers, the Gentiles, they lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. So he's dealing with this idea of strength, of authority, of power. And he says, you know what it looks like in the world. You know how those around you utilize their strength, their power, their authority. You know what this looks like. He says, but whoever, but but, sorry, verse 43, but it shall not be this way. It shall not be so among you. So what does it look like in the kingdom of Jesus, what does it look like? How does Jesus rule and reign over his people? He says, here's what it's going to look like. Whoever would be great among you must be a servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slaves of all. For even the Son of Man, speaking of himself, speaking of this figure out of the Old Testament whom God brings down out of heaven and gives the entire world to so that he might rule and reign forever and ever. Okay? Okay talk about a job, right? I mean, that's authority. That's power. That's strength. That's who the Son of Man is. And Jesus says this about himself, the Son of Man. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Men, the aim is Jesus. And when Jesus calls a man to follow him, he calls him to come and die. And if our lives as disciples of Jesus are not marked by the service and sacrifice of the same Jesus who bled and died for us, then we've missed it. We've missed it. We've wasted our strength on things that ultimately did not serve the good of those around us. Let's look at this last one. A man of action. We pursue wisdom, and what that produces in us, it forges in us, is a man of character, a man of strength, and a man of action. Now, let's look at some of these verses. Proverbs 15, says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So a man makes plans. For next one. Um, he's looking ahead. Proverbs 15, 21, folly is a joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks sh- straight ahead. So not only right does a man of action make plans, but then he sticks to that. There's a diligence in that. He's, he's not wasting his time on things that are foolish and, and lack sense. Look at the next one, Proverbs 28, verse 19. Whoever works with his, uh, his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty, right? So there's plans, there's diligence, and out of that work, out of that effort, out of that toil and labor come fruit, right? If, if you've got a job, there's wages. If, if you've got a garden, there's, there's, there's a harvest, right? You know, a field, a farm, there's harvest. If you've got an, an investment, there's a return. Look, look at the last one, Proverbs 28, verse 22. A stingy man hastens after wealth, and does not know that poverty will come upon him. See, the thing about this idea of action is it addresses our pursuits. And I want to talk about that in a second. But I just struggled. I struggled with this word, man of character, man of strength. Those are pretty easy. And there's not like some, you know, rule out there that you have to have three points in a sermon. Um, but action, like what, what do you, is it achievement? Is it accomplishment? What What, what do I say? And, and so I landed on action. I landed on action for a few reasons. One of them is this. Um, just like with character, we have a tendency, right, to to, to uh, deflect the things that are brought to us and, and to, to focus on the things we're good at. I, I think when it comes to action, right, there there is a, a propensity, a ten, tendency in, in men toward passivity. Um, and, and you may be the most type A, go-getter, you know, get it done, you know, charge the hill, whatever, guy out there. Um, but even if that passivity is in the relationships of the people around you that have to deal with your charge the hill, go get things done mindset. Um, we have a tendency toward passivity. So I think action calls us as men to, to not be lazy in any area of our lives, right? I mean, it addresses that for us. I think the other reason that I, I, I landed on the word action is—is—is is, is here's the thing about manhood, okay? And and, and I've, I've I've been around this conversation long enough, I think, to speak to it, because the church, at least in my time, has has kind of realized, like, hey, we've we've let men just kind of sit for so long. And, and we've, we've, we've not called them to be men. We've not called them to lead in their homes. We've not called them to lead in the church. We've not called them to lead in the community. We've, we've basically just, you know, asked them to come and write a check as they then go back to work. And, and you know, and it's really, that conversation has grown in my day and time. And and I know that it's it's good and I know that it's right for the church. Again, the church should lead in this conversation on gender. There's so much that the, the wisdom of God has to offer to us as men and women and understanding God's wisdom in designing us as men and women. But I also know this, if you're going to start calling men to be men, and if you're going to start putting expectations on men to be men, if you're going to start throwing out there what it looks like and giving a shape to it and, and telling men to, to suck it up and man up and get it together, and here's, here's ultimately what can happen. Is, is no, your, your theology of manhood becomes something that's entirely practical for those men. and if your theology of manhood is impractical, it's a terrible theology. So if, if, if you men have ever been in a situation where you feel like everything that's being asked of you just condemns you, let me give you a word of encouragement. If your theology is not practical, it's not actionable, it's a terrible theology. Being called to be a man may wreck us when we realize how far we've gone off the course. But when we look to Jesus, there should be inspiration, there should be hope, there should be the empowerment of the Spirit to walk out what he's called you and I to be as men. A man of action, right? I mean, that, it has to be practical. It calls us out of passivity. But, but here's, here's, I think, the, the main thing that I see in, in these verses I've shown you and the many others that are there is, you know, especially that, that last one, is it calls us as men to consider the pursuits that we're making. Um, I just recently sat down with a friend of mine named, named, uh, named Tim, I love Tim. And God's doing this profound work in Tim's life. And the conversation I had with him, it, it's, it's, it's not abnormal, But he's been wildly successful in his career, his profession. Um, He's a designer. The products that he makes, you and I, we walk past them in stores that we visit and drive by. And yet as we were talking about his story and we were talking about all of that professional success, Tim had to make this confession. But I lost everything. I lost my marriage. I lost my family. I lost my integrity. I lost my character. I mean really what he's saying is he gained the whole world and he forfeited his soul. To be a man of action has to has to at some point man it has to wake us up so that we take stock, we take assessment, we ask the Holy Spirit, we ask our, our spouses if we're married, we ask the people around us in community, we, we, we say to our family, like, am I aiming in the right way? Are these actions going to ultimately produce the kind of fruit, or is it going to bring me to poverty, to ruin? Because again, that's Tim's story, isn't, isn't, isn't uncommon, is it? Even in ministry, as pastors, we can pursue the work of God. That sounds so noble. And there's just a long history, right, of men whose action, whose pursuits, whose efforts led them to poverty, ruin. They lost their marriages. They lost their families. They lost their soul. So again, remember the aim is not action. What's the aim? The aim is Jesus. Listen to his words. I quoted him just a second ago, but look at him a little bit more in depth here. It says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Guys, the aim is not manhood. The aim is not wisdom. The aim is not character and strength and action all of those things are things that the scripture gives us. It paints a picture for us. But ultimately, the aim is Jesus. And in Jesus' men, as we follow him, as our lives are built upon him, as his spirit fills us, all of these things that the Bible describes and all of this wisdom that the Proverbs give, we see exemplified, manifest in our lives, transformed hearts. They're focused on Jesus, following after Jesus. So guys, let's pray. I'm gonna ask Pastor Jeff to come up and kind of walk us through what it could look like to respond this morning and the band comes up and gets set. Uh, Heavenly Father, you are good. Thank you. Thank you for calling us to be men as a father. Father, who looks at us as sons. You want good for us. You love us. In Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for us. And so, Father, I pray. I pray for the men this morning that are experiencing conviction. I pray that your spirit would produce in them a fear that sees you as good, but sees you as holy. And I pray that that fear would ultimately set their gaze upon the cross of Jesus, that that you have condemned your son so that they might be free, that they might be whole, that they might be redeemed, that they might be filled with your spirit to be the men you've called them to be. Father, I pray that, that you would save men this morning. And for those that are believers under conviction, Father, the gospel calls unbelievers and believers to repentance. I just pray that we at Generations would be men who repent, men who, who, who aren't ashamed to point to Jesus, knowing that when we put our hope and our faith on him, we will never be ashamed. And that even in our failures and shortcomings and sins, there is hope in Christ. And so may, again, our aim be Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for um, the young men with life ahead of them. I pray for the married men and and those that are in the throes of parenthood. I pray for the older men in this room who who have many years behind them. I just pray that regardless of generation, that this community would be men um, of character, action, and strength, but be men who Follow after Jesus with whole hearts. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Generations Church, the the question has to be, how do we respond? How do we?